On this episode, we're going to talk about skills. <laughs> Nunchuck skills. <laughs> Bow staff skills. Shooting Wolverines, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I can throw a football over the mountains. <laughs> we had one state. <laughs> the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen. United, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. So we want to talk about skills. So why would we do a podcast about skills? Well, uh, the prevailing cultural narrative is that uh, people my age have no skills, um, that all we know how to do is... uh, google things which is true to some extent but we want to talk about skills and part of the reason why is is because it's helpful to know how to do things um but it's also kind of a lost art so uh, in my house growing up my experience was every saturday was do stuff around the house day so i learned how to fix a leaky faucet i learned how to work on a toilet i learned how to mow the lawn and change the oil on a car and do all different kinds of stuff because I just followed my dad around on Saturdays and he made me do stuff. <laughs> and so I learned how to do a lot of different things. And as I've shared with you guys earlier, you know, a lot of the jobs that I've had, I'm, I'm not qualified for on paper, but I can do it because I've got a skill um, that I've learned how to do. And so we want to talk about how that can be used for evangelism, because a lot of times uh, when you're trying to share the gospel with somebody, um, you know, the reality is, is everybody has it in their mind. Well, I, I just got to cold call my neighbor. I just got to knock on the front door. And when they open the door, I just got to start right in. If you were to die tonight and stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you in my heaven? What would you say? And the reality is, is that terrifies people. And it's very uh, unrelational. Um, whereas a skill can change that. You know, it's a whole lot easier to talk about Jesus when you're helping somebody put a tire on their car or changing the oil or something like that. Uh, you're er- you're earning uh, credit with them. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, maybe s- skills that you guys have outside of ministry uh, or even in ministry, maybe examples that you can share where you've used something like that, or maybe when somebody's helped you uh, and do that. So Adam, what do you got? I don't have many skills. No. <laughs> um, no, like I've got a funny story that proved that I didn't have the skills, but I, I have a neighbor. Um, I love her as myself. Um, but just to give you a picture of the first time I ever met her, uh, we were in our yard and, um, she rode her riding lawnmower, uh, in her pajamas through our yard, uh, mowing a strip through our yard to introduce herself and to bring us (laughs) bird feed. Amen. Amen. So she had bird seed skills and mowing one strip in my yard, uh, mowing skills. But one day she came over and asked me if I would come in and wire her house for her uh, washing machine. I said, "Wait, like, what do you mean wire your?" She goes, "Like, like she goes, I need to put a new connection in, and I don't know how to do." It. I was like, "I don't know how to do that." She goes, "Fine." She ran off my porch. Um, so that obviously that's a lost opportunity, right? right there. I, I need to learn to be an uh, electrician. But um, you became a stumbling block, right? right. Yeah, exactly. But. I, I, for example, what I'm doing now, um, and I know this kind of fits what you're talking about, but you know, whatever career you have, 
is an opportunity, right? And so if you, if you look at uh, like w- the position I'm at now as a structural detailer, um, I'm looking at it as a ministry and it's been amazing how God has opened doors uh, for, with conversations. And, and honestly, I even had one of my coworkers, he said, he said, we need to go to lunch. And I said, okay. He goes, I need you to put your pastor hat on. Cause I, you know, they know I'm a pastor. And so um, we were able to do that. So through my uh, vocation, um, I'm able to minister to people, but on the outside, as far as yard work uh, and things of that nature, uh, been able to um, help mow my neighbor's yard and and weed eat. And uh, I've got she's a she's a widow, so we've tried to do some things to help her out um, the best we can. Um, but as far as uh, I, I think with guys in our church who are uh, carpenters, for example, one of the things I'm trying to encourage them to do is is to almost create a partnership and to train us up some of us young guys including myself uh, in carpentry and maybe some jobs around the house or around the church and then going out and do that as well so um but that's kind of for me it's been small things Uh, i can't say that um there's i haven't done any i haven't done any engine repairs or anything like that for anybody but mowing grass weed eating uh, that type of thing I've tried to do to help my neighbor out. All right, Derek, what about you? Uh, have you ever used a skill to witness to somebody or maybe somebody's done that with you? Oh sh- yeah. Um, a couple of different opportunities that I try and use regularly is, um, when I was in college, I was uh, very poor and, um, but I also needed a haircut. And so haircuts weren't free and I had an old set of clippers that um, I salvaged from home, hijacked them and brought them with me <laughs> down to the dorm. And uh, so because there was a necessity to be uh, well-groomed, I learned how to cut hair on myself. And so from that, uh, I really just started you know, taking care of my own hair. And then... Do, my, do you still do that today? I don't do that. I have my my... My barber pass has been revoked because Caitlin says that she cares how I look. I was just hoping. <laughs> I was just wondering if you actually paid for that one. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I, I, you know, roommates would come along and they'd say, hey, you know, I see you cutting your hair there, uh, guys in the dorm or whatever. Say, can you do me too? So, you know, all right, sit down in the chair. I know enough to be dangerous. So through that, I kind of learned how to uh how to cut hair well a few years ago i got involved in a homeless ministry downtown Asheville, um where there's a breakfast that served the homeless and they give out clothes and of course we're there uh, ministering with the gospel and sharing christ and as i was there one day i just kept looking around and i said you know some of these people need a haircut and it was like the holy spirit just kind of stabbed me at that moment and said well what are you waiting for why don't you do it and so, because I knew how to do that, I basically just set up a chair the next time I went, plugged into the, the electrical out in the wall there, brought my clippers, and offered free haircuts to any of the men that wanted to come. And there's no captive audience like the one sitting in the barber chair. And so I found that to be a great opportunity while you are you know hands-on ministering to them giving them a haircut, they are w- very willing to listen to you tell them about Christ. 
because they know you care. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, have you ever thought about taking like a, a razor strap and a straight <laughs> razor and just get that thing really sharp oh, yeah, and say, yeah. "Are you ready are you to meet ready the to Lord?" Meet God? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the reason why Derek should be doing it and not Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's gonna so, scare him into hell. Pastor or scare Swe- him into hell. Pastor Sweeney over there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's um one example. Um another example that uh, I've used is gardening. I grew up in the country, surrounded by cow pastures and country gardens, and my papa had a green thumb and uh, he taught me a lot about how to raise a garden. So when I got my own home and got set up at my own place naturally i tilled up the backyard and in the summertime we can grow a pretty great garden corn and beans and uh, tomatoes potatoes okra you know you name it so i learned that skill just by growing up around my my papa and my dad but i found that also to be a very useful ministry opportunity to open up your neighbor's because you can show up at your neighbor's door and say, hey, look, I grew these tomatoes and I picked you some corn and, hey, here's some beans. We're not going to uh, be able to string them, but I'll, I'll show you how to do it. And just show up with a basket and say, uh, you know, hey, here's a gift from my garden. And uh, you can talk to them about uh, things going on in their life. And then eventually, you know, that leads to a spiritual conversation. And so I'm surrounded by n- neighbors who are unchurched, lost really don't know the Lord and um, but I've been able to have those spiritual conversations because uh, you know you show up at their doorstep with a gift and you build that rapport you can open up the bridge of relationship there and begin to begin to uh, lead them in the direction of Christ so that's a couple of different things that I've uh, leaned on in in my experience to help okay um Shifting a little bit, uh, Dennis, you're in a different generation than the rest of the guys in this room. And I think probably there's some changes in the way that um, the way that people learn skills in our generation um, than in yours. For one, there's kind of like a crisis of fatherlessness in my generation, which is where a lot of guys learn their skills. A lot of my skills, or at least the ability to learn, came from my dad um, of just watching him and being a part of whatever he was doing. Um, but some people don't have that privilege growing up, you know, um, they may not have it at home. Same thing with, uh, ladies, you know, uh, you know, we, we talk about the guys cause we're all guys in here, but man, a lot of the young women in my church, they just say like, I, I don't, I never learned how to, to sew or to cook or do anything. I didn't have anybody in my life to teach me how to do that stuff. Um, and so I would imagine in, in your generation, Dennis, that was a little different. There was kind of more of an expectation of, you take care of your own things and you learn how to do maintenance and things like that. Um, would you say that that's accurate or what was, what was kind of from your perspective, what does that look like as far as young people developing skills? Well, people didn't in, in my circles have an abundance of money. They could just hire people to come in. I mean, it had to be some very specialized thing that had broken down. And so whether it be, uh, repairing a, a washing machine, or something else, people learned how to do that. And my dad, um, you know, was very handy in in building things and fixing things, and it was pretty much of a necessity. Plus the types of it, if you wanted to work on your car, 
you know, basically changing the spark plugs, you know, a few, few things like that, keeping the oil chains. There wasn't a lot to do because you didn't have all this computerized stuff, you right. know, mm-hmm. that, that we have today. So that's another change. You can't go work on your car very, very much to any significant degree like you used to. I mean, I've actually put an engine in a, in a vehicle, if you can imagine that. And it ran, you know, it's <laughs> incredible. It was, it was an old Camaro and I did have a fella helping me, but we, we put a, put a new motor in that sucker. And so you can do things like that by learning, by observing, uh, being mentored in a sense, uh, uh, by doing that, being yelled at by your dad because you weren't holding the flashlight <laughs> right where he was. And so Where's but, my light, son? But but I think that was a, a generation that had that expectation of hard work of if you needed a ditch dug, you know, you got the shovel out there and you did it. And as a kid, you know, you mowed the grass, you you did all those things, and it was just something that was uh, was expected. If something broke down, you tried to tried to fix it. I've we, we had uh, our television sets had tubes, okay, and so if if a tube went out, what you did is you got in the back of that TV, and you took the tubes out. You went down to a local store and you tested them. And you found out which one was burnt out. So huh. then you bought a tube, you came back, put them in, and voila, there you can watch TV again. If you can imagine. Now what do you do? You just chunk the TV and go <laughs> yeah. buy another one, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Go to Best Buy and, and give them your credit card, and, and there you go. So so times have changed. I think one of the things that I like to do uh, is uh, that it would be no different than the current generation. If you need to know how to fix something or do something, you uh, go on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, and you do a search and it'll kind of walk you through that. And so if there's some fundamental things, I think to me, that's a, a great wealth of uh, possibility to know how to, uh, how to do certain uh, things. So some of, of, of what I've done is I've helped in our ramp building ministry. Now I couldn't take that and do it from scratch, but if I'm with, if I'm with a bunch of guys, I can get out there and saw some boards and put them in place and, you know, screw them down. And so we build those ramps, not just to help handicapped people though we want to do that, but to open up an opportunity to help people know about Jesus. So, you know, when I'm there, it's very natural transition for me to tell those families, the reason we're doing this is that we love you because God loves you and, and, we want to talk to you about your relationship with the Lord. And they feel that sense of obligation to at least let you share with them because you've, you've helped them out in, in some way. Same thing about disaster relief. We've had groups of folks, and I've been involved myself, you know, of going to, to places where there's been floods or hurricanes or whatever, uh, tornadoes, and, uh, you know, to be involved with that to where the people in the community actually see that the church is not just preaching to them, but that they've come with a mission to help them. And out of those meeting those temporal needs, you can talk to them about uh, spiritual needs. I've been involved in medical missions, not literally me doctoring someone. You would not want that. But to, but to be uh, there to help, uh, to feed folks in a, a medical tent or a, a dental clinic in a, a very impoverished area. Uh, people would come to this medical clinic there in uh, Virginia in the coal fields, and they would camp out and just basically sleep in their car to get their teeth worked on because they had no access to, to dental care. And I remember uh, my wife and I just walking from car to car, just talking to people, letting them know why we were there, sharing the gospel. And I still stay in touch with some of those folks through Facebook, even though that was years ago. 
helping the neighbors. I think somebody mentioned this. Uh, we've got some elderly folks across the road, and so when uh, autumn comes and the wonderful trees uh, shed their color all over your yard, if I'm out there blowing uh, my front yard, uh, the elderly folks across, I, I walk over there and I blow theirs off too, you know, and, and that's something that I can do, and it's, it's not that big uh, big a deal to, to do that. And, uh, and, and I'll give another example. Just last, uh, last week, uh, I'm out walking the dog, and uh, uh, I look down, and a Latino neighbor of ours is down there, and he's got the hood up on his car. Well, you know, it was no big deal to, to holler down there at him and walk down and say, you know, if you, are you having trouble with your car? Can I, can I help you? Now, my ability to help him would have been basically if the battery was dead, I could jump him off, and that, that would be about it. But, but at least he knew, you know, that I cared, that I would take the time to, to do that. And so, you know, that it opens the door for gospel conversations, so you don't have to have a lot of skills. Now, one skill that I guess I have – Always had the was, gift of uh, gab, yeah, in art. Uh, so I won several awards in high school, and I thought I was actually going to be an artist uh, one day. So uh, we have a neighbor moved in, and she's a sculptor. She's actually got a um, a studio in in her house, and so it's a very easy transition for me, where somebody else might not feel comfortable about to talk to her and her husband, uh, you know, uh, because that she's got that uh, art studio there so god does take those things it's not an accident in, right. pro, in his providence he opens up doors that way cool yeah i i think um in my experience i <laughs> there's kind of a common thread and that is uh the poorer you are the more skilled you are yes. in general <laughs> <That> necessity <laughs> um and and so for me you know there's a phrase my dad told me all the time growing up that's kind of burned into my mind which is the more you can learn how to do yourself, the less you have to pay somebody else. And uh, as a father of six, you know, always working more than one job, there's not a whole lot of money to pay anybody to do anything else. And so um, fortunately now, uh, like you mentioned, uh, YouTube, Dennis, I mean, with the Internet, there's just, I mean, you can learn anything uh, on the Internet and have pictures and videos and step-by-step -step tutorials. And so... um Usually for me, unless I don't have the tools that I need or I actually have to, it's cheaper for me to pay somebody to do something. I usually try to do things on my own um, and learn how to do it. But at the same time, everybody has limits in their skills too, you know? And so it's like, I know my limits of, you know, uh, I don't have a problem wiring a power outlet. You know, I just upgraded a power outlet in my kitchen should have sent um, you to my neighbor. Yeah, I like I would I'd be fine to do that. I've done a dryer plug and all that kind of stuff before. At the same time, there's some things with electricity that I'm not going to do. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I'm going to call somebody to do that. Same thing with my car. You know, there's some things that I feel pretty comfortable doing or that I can learn how to do. I watch a video and I'm like, yeah, I think I could do that. And then there's other things that I'm just kind of like, I don't have the tools to do that. Or there's just not enough margin of error for me to mess that up. Um, but that also happens with other people. You know, there's times where I've pulled over and helped somebody change a tire, you know. Um, and, and, and the advantage now is, is that people know how to do so little that if you can do a little bit, you can really be helpful. <laughs> um, because a lot of people, they don't know how to change a tire or... Um, you know, they, uh, they don't know who to call, you know, if they have an issue or, or whatever. 
And so just being able to be helpful with that, I, I'm that way with computers. You know, it's like any skill that I have, I can name somebody that's better than me at that, but I can do a little bit and in the right situation if I can help somebody, it works. But, you know, I've helped people with computers and cars and things on their house and whatever. Um, I, you know, I just kind of like tweaking things. Um, I can't get good enough at any one thing to make any money at it, but I can at least do enough to to uh, help people with it. Um, so that's that's kind of evangelistically and outside the church. Let's talk about skills inside the church. Um, we're all kind of in different stages of pastoring. We, some of us have been anywhere from a little over a year to decades uh, in ministry, different size churches, different kind of cultures and all that. I think one of the things we can probably all agree on is it takes skills uh, to run the church, not not just as a pastor, but for the church itself to operate, even for something like on Sunday morning worship, it takes a lot of skill to pull something like that off. And so uh, one of the things uh, that we're trying to do in our church is help people see what their skills are and, and put them to work because there is so much that needs to be done. So what are you guys uh, doing in, in your ministries right now to either help identify people's skills or help develop some skills? Maybe if somebody says, hey, I, you know, I really don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to do it if somebody can teach me. Um, let's start with Dennis because you have the most experience. I'm sure you guys have a ton of volunteers and stuff on Sunday morning to kind of make everything work. So what does that look what is that? What have you learned? What wisdom can you give to us and the listeners as far as? helping people identify skills or develop new skills for the church? Well, we always uh, have a lot of great folks who are interested in, in helping. And one way you identify is this by communicating the need. Um, perfect example, yesterday in a, in a deacon's meeting, uh, one of the fellows brought up that they, as they were helping people across the road that one of the elderly church members pointed out that part of our sidewalk had begun to sink so that at the at the uh, there was a place there at the seam, uh, the expansion joint, if you will, it was about three quarters an inch difference. It had been quite a trip hazard, and so I say, you know, uh, several years back we had that same issue at another portion of the of the walkway, and I don't know who fixed that, but but the way it's repaired, it's been great, it's been perfect, and so one of the guys in there, uh, Joe Ball. Joe says, well, I was the one that did that. <laughs> and I said, well, there you go. So today he was out fixing that sidewalk, nice. you know. And uh, so I volunteered our executive pastor to mix the mortar for him. <laughs> and, uh, he, and, he, and he provided the, the skill. But, but again, if we hadn't had that conversation, if we hadn't said, you know, here's a need that we identify, uh, then it would not have uh, surfaced the person who could could do that. So I think identifying needs and letting people know out there, we a lot of times will communicate through a mass email and say, uh, so-and-so needs somebody to take them to the doctor. Uh, is there anybody out there that could do that? An elderly person that needs somebody to take them to the doctor. And so the, so I think just making those needs known cause people who have those skills to step up and say, I can, I can do that. I can help in, in that way. We do spiritual gift assessments. Whenever we have a prospective or a new member training, we talk to them about taking a spiritual gift assessment, about their personality type and strengths and skill sets. Uh, we, we want to know and identify those things, and we've had classes where we've done that as well. Uh, and, and so I think those can be useful tools. They're not an end-all. It's, uh, it's you know not quite that uh, mechanical to make it happen. 
but I think those can be very productive. We do links on our website where a person could go in and take those uh, those assessments and find out what are the areas of giftedness are. Uh, we try to take younger folks and mentor them, give them opportunities to work with older folks where they can pick up some of those skills, like in a, a teaching of a class or something like that. And, uh, you know, in our greeters, we try to find entry-level positions where people can come in and plug in uh, in, a, in a very easy way, you know. And, and so, you know, those are, are things that we do. Cool. Um, Derek, what about you guys uh, over at Liberty? I know you guys are doing a, you've got a lot of new stuff going on and uh, you're really uh, making some strong efforts to reach the community there around the church and all that. Um, what does that look like for you guys as far as helping church members um, use their skills there at the church? Yeah, um, before I jump into that, I would I would say that uh, the smaller your church is, the more skills you're going to have to learn out there, Pastor. Um, the more mm. you're going to have to pick up things, you're going to have to wear a lot of different hats and do a lot of different jobs that you never envisioned yourself doing in ministry because... Um, Everybody's initial vision of when you get into ministry is, oh, well, I'm, I'm just the preacher. I, I just get the sermons together and I preach. Uh, but, of course, anybody that's been in ministry for any length of time knows that that's just not the case. Um, you have to do all kinds of things. And um, so that was an eye-opening experience for me in that um, the first three or four years when I was at Liberty, um, and, it, again, it is a, an older church, so with an older church, an older building, you're going to have a lot more issues. A lot of things go wrong, um, and uh, you need to know how to address those things. So I've made it a point to my of myself to try and know a little bit of something of all the different jobs and things that uh, go on there. Like, uh, I'm not great with uh, the sound, but I need to know how to turn the soundboard on and run the sound in the laptop because – we might be having a funeral there in the middle of the week, and the sound guy can't get there. And, and I was there last week, and I want you to know that Derek McCarson did an awesome job. I did not mess up. He did. He did great. <laughs> uh, now that's just one example, but um, you know, what if there's an issue with the heating and cooling? You get there one morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I need to know how that system works so that I can get it calibrated right before people start showing up. Um, I need to know how to make the coffee. Yeah, for the welcome center, or uh, hey, I need to know how to make the bulletins and fold them and get them together right because uh, you know I might be called on to do that thing. So I kind of figured out that the best way to do that for myself was uh, uh, find people who were doing those things and say, "Hey, show me how you did that," and just shadow them and say, "All right, now you need. I want you to teach me how you do that so that I can know how to do it because I'm going to have to train somebody else." And so um, I, I learned early on in the ministry there that people don't realize in a small church how close you are to not having church. Yeah, if one person is truth. out, if, if a handful of people are sick or they can't get there or they're on vacation, then those things aren't going to get done um, because the 80-20 principle is in effect, right? You got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Well, if you're 20%, are falling by the wayside for whatever reason, then man, you're, you're up the Creek. So, um, I realized that I ever, everybody needed, uh, to be trained in 
something that they were interested in. So what that involved for me was just getting to know people um, and know their interests, know their skills, and say, hey, you know, I think this ministry over here in the church might be really good for you. You're, you're, a, you're a technical guy. Um, why don't you shadow our sound man? Would you be interested in running the sound and, and doing the doing the PowerPoint slides on Sunday, man? You shadow him, and then you know you can get a feel for that, and you can feel in for him. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Or uh, you know, hey, you're you're really a caring person, and you've got a bubbly personality. You would be perfect for our hospitality team. Or uh, you know, you're really organizational, and you're you're an analytical thinker. Um, you need to be on our finance committee. It's easier to do in a small church because you uh, you get to know people's personality, their gifts, their talents, and then you as pastor can kind of help guide them and strategically place them where you think they would flourish the most. Obviously, the bigger the church it gets, the more um, the more difficult that might be as far as getting people plugged in. You'd have to have more of a process, but I feel like in a small church, um, I have a lot more uh, control or a lot more input in that. Um, so a lot of it, in my experience, is um, knowing the need and um, getting to know people and kind of funneling them, channeling them in the direction where I think that they can flourish and, and do well. All right. Adam, what about you? Um, you're in a revitalization, and uh, you guys have made a lot of progress, a lot of changes um, over the last year. And uh like all of our churches, I'm sure there's always a need for volunteers, but uh, what are some things that you're learning um, there as far as helping people discover and, and develop skills? Well, I think to go to one of my favorite leadership guys, um, Andy Stanley, um, the reality is is we, we make this weird. Like we make giftedness weird. And, and what I mean by that is in the sense of, we come up with surveys and, and, and that type of thing. And that stuff's okay. But what I've learned is what do you enjoy doing? Like what is your prime example? We had a guy um, come to our church and I've, I've mentioned it in here before, but he come to our church and him and his wife visited for several weeks. And then he said, man, I really want to jump on board. And so I was like, okay, prime opportunity um, to ask him. So I said, well, you know, what do you, what do you like to do? What are you good at? And he said, I, he said, well, I don't know. And he tried to get it kind of, um, he tried to turn it spiritual in a sense. Cause he was like, well, I think I kind of have a certain, no, no. I said, no, no, no. What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And he goes, well, I own an outdoor movie theater and I love movies. I said, okay, we're going to do an outdoor movie. And he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, why not? And so when I quote unquote unleashed him, did he ran with it and killed it? I mean, did an incredible job. So when you, when you get people doing what they enjoy to do, man, things are going to work way better. And that's the biggest thing that I've really tried to emphasize with our people, that it's not some weird, you know, you got to search for your spiritual gift. What do you enjoy doing? Cause God's put in our, our, in our hearts, passions and things that we're good at. And, um, and so it's been easy for me to like Derek was talking about God people, you know, because simply asking, what, what do you like to do? Well, I like to cook. Well, okay, we got a hospitality team. Let's let's hook that up. Or I, I, I like to uh, write cards. Uh, well, okay. And so you you almost can, it's easy when, when you get people uh, that are open like that. Now, some people, 
they don't want to be involved. <laughs> like, like they don't want to be held accountable. They don't mm-hmm. want to be, um, and those people just got to wait on because you can't force them. You know, you can't force them into areas. And one of the things I read a long time ago, and and like Derek's saying, in a smaller church, it's more difficult. But you don't want to force people into kids ministry. No. Like, I've seen people, no. you know, you you ought to well. We need help in the kids' ministry. Well, hey, why don't you go do that? Well, you might be putting It's not out. hard. Right. Just right. make sure they don't burn anything down. Kids, get out of my yard. No, right. Note to pastors, there is no shame or guilt trip you can put on people from the pulpit to want them to do oh, yeah. children's ministry. I've tried it. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> it, it doesn't because if it's with anything. If, if somebody's heart's not in it, they're not going to do a good job, period. And they're not. they're going to be miserable. I don't like doing stuff I'm not good at, you know, and and so um so it's really about as a leader getting people running in their lanes, finding exactly what they're good at and letting them just unleash it, you know, and and, and to go for it because it's it's like a football team and that's it's the analogy I always use when it comes to the church, you know. Not everybody can be the quarterback, not everybody can be the offensive lineman, not everybody can be the receiver, not a, and, and it takes special skills to do the particular job, but every single piece of the puzzle needs to be there in order for it all to operate correctly. I mean, Tom Brady's probably the greatest of all time, but he couldn't do it without an offensive line or receivers or anything like that. So it takes everybody uh, working. And, and I, th- I think we mentioned it a while back, but, um, you know, we've tied service into membership. Like in, if in order to be a member at Pole Creek, or not Pole Creek. Well, maybe at Pole Creek too, but at uh, Westwood, uh, at Westwood Baptist, you, you're going to serve, and you can be counted on. I like to that serve. idea, actually. Yeah, you can be counted on to serve, and that's part of the membership covenant. Is is you can count on me to serve, use my gifts and passions uh, in the ministry, and so we've got ministry teams that people sign up to serve on, uh, based upon what their gifted is, and so that's that's really what we've done, and people loved it because you know again. You're not, you know, forcing people into situations that they don't want to be in because they won't do it anyway. So, well, yeah. and, and and I think just to kind of follow up on that, that that those surveys and things can can have benefit. We use them, but again, it's not an end all. Right. And and I think you're right in that God puts a certain passion in your heart and gives you a certain uh, personality disposition that has to be factored into that. And and why. You know, why would you want to do something that it's just an absolute, you know, something you hate, but I've got to show up and do that, bless God. You know, what, what's what's the point? What's the point of that? Persecution yeah. children's ministry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but there's a freedom, there's a liberty that comes when you do things that you really enjoy doing. And uh, and so I think you're right in that. Well, I think when you think about spiritual gifts and skills, you know, a lot of times we we try to kind of separate that. Like, well, you know, spiritual gifts, like that's the real important stuff. And you don't know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. But whatever it is, it's really important and you should be doing it. But a lot of times the the skills, you know, and I mean, we're all pastors in here, so we see this. But I'm trying to get my people to understand, like, listen, it it doesn't matter, you know, if you if you feel convicted that you need to go throw salt on the sidewalk because it was a little bit slick, praise God, somebody needs to do that. You know what I mean? And that's a gift to the church. And we try to make it like you know, well, you got to do something spiritual. Well, you know, Pastor, I, you know, I just I can't sing really well, or I don't know about computers, and I can't run the slides, or I'm not good at making coffee. You know, so you don't have to do all that. You know what what is it? What is it that you can do? And and just because what you're doing may not be visible 
or may not be tied into direct gospel proclamation doesn't mean that it's not important or that it's not necessary or that it doesn't bring God glory. You know, I, I was I spent my whole Sunday school hour yesterday um, talking to the people in my class about the vision of why all this stuff matters, you know. And Adam, you would have been so proud because I was talking about how, you know, we need to remove every distraction from people coming to the gospel. And you know what? If you get offended by the gospel and you don't want to come back to our church, I'm sorry, we're not going to change that. But that should be the only reason why somebody would not want to come to our church, why they would not want to join and be a part of it, why they would not want to believe the gospel should be should not be, well, I thought I was going to get a disease in the bathroom or <laughs> I thought my children were going to get kidnapped or, you know, somebody just stared at me the whole service or, you know, it, I didn't know what building to go into when I got there. You know, the, none of those should be valid reasons for somebody saying, I'm not coming back to your church. The only reason should be I'm really offended by the preaching. Um, you know, well, and even then, we, we, yeah, I mean, or even well, but even with the preaching, you know, it needs to be excellent. But but the thing I was explaining to them is like, listen, that the pastors are we're focusing on that stuff. We want the preaching to be excellent, but guess what? I can't focus on everything else. Right. And so um, there's a lot of things like you were saying, Derek, of, of wearing hats. I mean, I have I've been cleaning bathrooms on Sunday morning. A couple of weeks ago, I was up in the attic wiring security cameras. <laughs> You know, it's like I'm not qualified to do any of that kind of stuff, but they got a YouTube video, and I'm small enough to get into <laughs> in, in between cross beams and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he could and, burrow uh, in. Yeah, I love I love when people have ideas. And they'll oh, come yeah. to you as the pastor, and they they want to start idea. a kid Sunday school. They want to do this or what? And my my rule when somebody does that, name it and claim it. Like if you name it, you claim it. All right, well, get going on it. I, 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 t- really I tell people, okay, that. what do you need to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what can I get for you? Yeah. Yeah. And here's what? here's one thing that I would touch on too. If guilty as charged, okay, I'm a perfectionist. That's just my personality, and that's very hard as a leader because you have these extremely high expectations for yourself Amen. and for your people. And when you unleash people to do things in your church, you have this expectation that they're going to do it the way that you do it, and they won't. And so as a leader, when you uh, let people uh, take these roles, you have to, in a certain sense, let go. Uh, certainly hold the expectation high, um, but you know they're not going to do things the way that you do them. And um, you also have to give them a little bit of freedom to fail. Because mm-hmm. failure is a great teacher, and they're not gonna um, they're not gonna learn anything um, any other way. So, as if if you're that kind of leader, that that can be hard. Uh, yes, you want people to volunteer, but uh, and and be be a part of the church. But as a leader, um, you have to give people freedom to do that, and not try and micromanage every single thing. Which uh, man, I had to I had to really learn to let go. Uh, and say, well, this is, but this is the beauty in it that, you know, God uses lots of different people, lots of different talents. They don't do it the way you do. They don't think the way that you do. And that's, what's great about it. And so you have to kind of learn to embrace that as a leader. You don't let the ideal become an ordeal. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, some good thoughts. Um, So if you're, if you're a listener, the way this can apply to you is you have skills that God has given you things that you're naturally good at. You can learn new skills. You have every single person listening has the capacity to learn how to do something that they don't know how to do. It's still early in the year, so you can set a 2019 goal of something that you want to learn this year. 
Um, and you don't have to do everything. But the reality is, is your skills, they, they open up opportunities. They may open up an opportunity in your neighborhood or your workplace or in the community uh, for you to have a conversation with somebody about the gospel. But they also open up opportunities at church because uh, as you use your gifts there, again, uh, you are helping the church accomplish its mission. And even though it may not seem spiritual to you or whatever, the reality is uh, what you are doing is you are uh, you are clearing a way for the Holy Spirit to do his work. You are the means that he is using to reach people. And uh, and so that little thing that you think is not really a big deal that, that you decide to do this Sunday when you go to your pastor and say, hey, what's, what's something that I can do that will be helpful? Whatever that little thing is, realize that that is something that the Holy Spirit is going to use in somebody's life uh, to draw them to Christ or to draw them closer to Christ. And so don't despise the th- the small beginnings, as the Scripture says, um, because everybody has a role to play. It's a body of many parts, and uh, visibility doesn't equal importance. Um, and so don't get confused with that. So this will come out on a Wednesday which means tonight when you go to church, if you're a good Baptist, ask your pastor, hey, what time do I need to be here Sunday morning? What's what's one thing that I can do that will help? And I promise you it will be a blessing to your pastor to hear that um, and, and an encouragement, and it will set a good example um, for other people in the church. And guess what? When you're doing that thing, you're going to have joy because you're knowing that God's being glorified and that you are uh, using your skills in the church. So uh, turn this off and go do that. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.